Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Deadhead Cannabis Show. This is Jim Marty reporting from beautiful uh, Denver, Colorado, where they've been putting up the Christmas lights here today. Jim, how you doing? It's Larry Mishkin, and I'm here talking to you from uh, my home in lovely Evanston, Illinois, uh, where we are certainly uh, moving in the direction that most people think of when they think of Chicago this time of year. Uh, warmer days, but very cold nights uh, with not a lot of sunshine. Um, I'm waiting for them to put up the lights in downtown Chicago, but uh, unfortunately, our numbers have been rising, and uh, it looks like we might be facing another lockdown for a while here, um, which while unfortunate, you know, uh, for society at large, uh, continues to be nothing but a boon for the uh, legal cannabis industry. Uh, you know, and the more we're locked down, uh, the more the business uh, seems to go, uh, which is very nice. Of course, it would be nicer if we had another 75 dispensaries to be servicing the public. But uh, as you and I have been talking about for a while, Jim, no, nothing new on that front. We're we're all still waiting and waiting and waiting and uh, you know, we'll see if and when the state ever decides to issue those licenses so that we can expand this industry out and, uh, you know, really make it a good one for everybody. Yes. A few comments there is um, in various states over in uh, Nevada, their delivery services are going gangbusters here in Colorado. We don't have delivery, but we do have curbside pickup. So this industry mm-hmm. is thriving. I think I've mentioned that we'll do well over $2 billion in Colorado this year in cannabis sales at at the retail level. And um, other things are going on, too. So um, we can uh, talk about a a podcast that will promote a podcast we're doing tomorrow for the TREP school. And they're also in Illinois. Do you call the town that they're in? I don't off the top of my head, but uh, they seem to be a very interesting group uh, that actually operates as kind of a uh, school uh, for individuals. Uh, A lot of it, I do believe, to be social equity based uh, so that individuals can have an opportunity to really learn about the cannabis market and the way things work, uh, both from a a cannabis perspective and a business perspective. And uh, Jim and I are both very honored to have been asked to participate in one of the uh, webinars that the school hosts, and that's going to be tomorrow. And and generally speaking, we're going to be covering a topic uh, addressing what applicants can be doing between the time they've submitted their application and while they're waiting to hear back from their respective state to find out whether or not uh, they have won a license. Because a uh, a lot of people tend to just say, well, that's it. The applications is in, is in. There's not a whole lot to do when, in fact, uh, there's quite a lot to do. And if Jim and I can get it all in in about an hour, an hour and a half tomorrow, that'll be a miracle. So uh, uh, that's just to give you all an idea. But uh, it's a great opportunity. Um, uh, we would highly recommend you check out the TREP School. That's T-R-E-P. Uh, and uh, read up a little bit about them and see what they do. And uh, you might find it very interesting. And I'm sure that uh, next week we'll uh, give our uh, listeners an update on how that went down. Yes. I was just going to say it's going to be at 1 p.m. Central, I believe. Yes, that's correct. And, yeah, the TREP School teaches entrepreneurial class to um, minority uh, applicants. And so this is going to be them expanding out into uh, cannabis. And, they're very interested in the social equity programs and also the craft licenses. Yep. And, uh, you know, in Illinois, for better or for worse, we seem to be experts on that. So uh, uh, we'll certainly have a lot to talk with them about. Um, today, however, we're uh, we're really lucky because uh, we have with us uh, another great guest um, and uh, our producer, Dan Humiston, once again, lining up uh, some excellent people for us to speak with. And today's guest is a gentleman named Greg Washington. Uh, Greg, I think you all are going to find to be very interesting. He's a veteran. 
and what he not, does now uh, is he is the founder and he runs a company called Guards Down. And uh, as Greg, I'm sure, can explain a lot more eloquently than I, uh, basically what he does is he works with fellow vets uh, who have come home after their uh, service for their country, uh, and especially vets that have uh, experienced PTSD and other types of uh, uh, issues such as that. And uh, we find his story to be really, really fascinating. We think the work he's doing is outstanding and and deserves uh, publicity as much as possible. Um, and so uh, we're very, very happy to welcome Greg to our show today. Greg, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Larry and Jim, I appreciate you guys having me on. And thank you so much for just the opportunity to speak. Um, yeah, I, I, the company is called Guards Down. And we're cannabis focused you know, from the CBD aspect. And so when you look at what's going on with veterans and with the world, we're trained to go to war, right? We're trained to defend our countries. You have these these great young Americans that will raise their hand and say, you know, I will go out and defend our country. But what happens to them when they come home? And so today's war versus yesteryear's war is completely different. You know, where you know, in history, back in time, it took weeks, months in order for us to transition and come back to combat or, you know, to come back home from combat. Nowadays, we can go fight and be home in less than 48 to 72 hours. Wow. And so for a person to be able to transition, you know, physically and mentally, you know, from that state of mind is, is tough on anyone. And so what I've been doing since I've got out the military is raising awareness for PTSD and complicated grief. And so uh, I, I graduated from West Point, uh, played football while I was there, and graduated and was commissioned as an infantry officer. I was deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq, where I ended up losing my two best friends, uh, Emily Perez and Scotty Pace. And that haunted me in dealt with the core of my soul because these were two great Americans that were just some awesome special people that they were taken too soon. And so to be able to deal with that anger and frustration in that moment, deploy, uh, still accomplish the mission, and then come home and try to be dad, try to be brother, try to be son, nephew, you know, all of these things that society want us to be, Man, I found it to be very hard and frustrating to the point where, you know, on top of that, I was dealing with the emotional and and mental strains of PTSD and grief. And I was also going through my own, you know, issues of uh, nerve damage and, you know, TBI and and PTSD and insomnia, you know, on, on my own from, you know, from the missions that I was on. And so I found myself one day, um, wanting to commit suicide. And if it wasn't for my baby cousin, a family member checking on me and just calling and say, Hey, cousin Greg, what are you doing? You know, me and mommy, we're broke. We're going to go to Walmart and window shop. You want to come with us? Things would have been completely different for me. And so moving forward from that, I wanted to do more. I wanted more for myself and for my life because I knew that their sacrifice, Emily and Scotty, I didn't want it to be in vain. Sure. And so I, I wanted to, to, to have more. 
I climbed the corporate ladder. I started my own business. I went and got extra schooling, but I wasn't fulfilled. It wasn't until I walked away from a six-figure job that I called one of my, my, my closest friends and said, hey, look, I need to figure out my purpose and I want to give back to, to what I know, to, to the soldiers, to the military, right? That selfless service aspect of my life because that was my greatest moments. And so um, I called him and he, and he helped me. You know, he, he's a life coach. His name is Jerome Myers. And we walked through and figured out how to create guards down and how to start giving back. And so I have a for-profit I have a podcast and a nonprofit that I'm working with that help raise awareness for, for PTSD and complicated grief. We're looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, cultural sensitive therapy. If your therapist or clinician looks like you or has been through the same things that you've been through, then I strongly believe that the connection between the two will be much more effective, which will allow the treatment to be more effective and the dropout rate, the lower, and, you know, the outcomes to be more positive. And so, you know, you couple that with owning the fact that, okay, yeah, look, we, we're going through something and we're not just relying on the doctors to tell us what's wrong with us, but we're taking accountability. So, okay, well, hey, look, I'm feeling this way. This is what I'm going through. Let me research. Let me find out what I'm dealing with define it so I can put a game plan towards it and some action towards it so that I can overcome it. And so, you know, we're all about alternative medicine and healing and giving people those tools and that research knowledge for them to be able to understand what, you know, they're physically going through to be able to help themselves. Because the whole thing is I want to be able to help someone that is dealing with Suicide, and not just me, but guards. Now I have a whole team, and, and I mean, we are fully focused on just being able to provide people with the tools, techniques, and knowledge of how to save yourself. Very interesting, Greg. Um, and how does cannabis fit into your program? And so, when we talk about cannabis, um, for me, it's the CBD side of the house. Um, I'm definitely for medical marijuana uh, as a whole and recreational marijuana. But when you look at veterans and knowing that, you know, active duty and some non-active duty, you know, that that still get military benefits, um, we're not able to completely partake in it without, you know, some repercussions. Um, you have to you have to thread lightly, you have to tread lightly. And so I'm, I'm on the CBD side of the house to be able to say that, you know, there are some benefits the CBD into cannabis because it's natural to the body. When I was in the military and got out, I used to have to take eight to 10 pills a day. This bag that I'm holding up, this is what I would have had to take within a year's time frame just to sustain myself because of all the things that I was dealing with from nerve damage to headaches to just being sore and in pain and, and being numb. And so I found that cannabis in itself, right, all of these natural properties help you you heal and doesn't cause you to have all of these bad and negative side effects that opioids would, you know, would potentially give. And so that that was my focus and my reasoning for jumping into, you know, the whole cannabis industry in 2012, 2013. Now, I will say being black in cannabis was a obstacle in itself on top of 
just trying to get into the cannabis industry. And so, you know, having to make that pivot from cannabis to, you know, CBD, you know, is, is where I've been at for the last, you know, two and a half years. And so uh, guards down is what, you know, I, I truly been focusing on to be able to provide people with a approachable solution to alternative medicine when it comes to cannabis. Craig, let me ask you this. During your time in the military, uh, what was your experience in terms of what you saw? Is there a lot of cannabis use among soldiers in the military while they're in, on service? We always see the movies about Vietnam and the soldiers, you know, who would sit around and, and smoke joints. Is, is that realistic? Do, do soldiers actually use cannabis? Heck no. I would say something else, but no. Okay. Um, on active duty service, you know, when when you, you look at it and going into theater as well as being in garrison environment, your command tells you cannabis is illegal and you're not allowed to use it just because it, it was a, a schedule one, you know, drug. And so nowadays you don't get soldiers that will, you know, will use it because it, it's, it's against, you know, the rules and regulations of the army. Now, when it comes to topicals, right, that's a different story. You can use a topical cream to, you know, to apply to an area that, that's ailing, a, a pain cream or a relief cream um, in that sense. But anything that's edible, you know, the, the military warns against it, because if you come up hot, you, you got to deal with those consequences. Well, Greg, let me ask you this then. Do you find it sometimes to be a challenge to work with guys who have been in the military and have been basically hearing the whole time, say no to drugs, say no to drugs, say no to drugs. And then, you know, they want to come work with you. And now all of a sudden, you know, uh, cannabis is being introduced back to them or maybe for the first time. Do, do you find that there's a little struggle there to kind of win them over to your side to see it as something that's beneficial instead of something that's potentially harmful? I, I do find it as a struggle and I like it because it's a history lesson. Sure. Right. In itself. So, you know, to talk about why marijuana is a schedule one drug, you know, you, you take it back to the early years. And once you explain, you know, what was going on in those time frames and bring it to the point of, well, hey, now, look, we're dealing with an opioid uh, epidemic and to explain the natural effects of cannabis and how it helps the body. I mean, it, it's a it's an easy sell for anyone, you know, once you get behind the science and you start to, you know, really learn and do your research about it. Well, especially on the. <clears throat> As you put it, the CBD side of the house have the high, and that high can lead to anxiety. So going on the CBD side, uh, you don't have that added level of anxiety that some people get when they smoke marijuana. Correct, correct, uh, and 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 that's and that's the good part because you know, and and a lot of folks when you know they ask, well, what's the difference? I tell them when you're dealing with you know cannabis and THC, that's the head high. That's from you know the neck up. That's the euphoric feeling that you get when you're smoking. Now, when you're taking CBD, that's the body high. That's from the neck down. That's when you start to feel relaxed. That's when you know, um, like the, the senses start to to just, lack of a better word, gel, and you know you you feel in a, a much calmer you know, safer state. And so I always tell people, you know, don't knock it until you try it because CBD is very beneficial 
you can take a CBD product and you could literally, you could literally get rid of two to three different pills that, you know, you have in your regimen on, on a daily basis because of the natural effects of that, that cannabis does for the body. And how many participants do you have in your guard down program? The Cars Down program, it's it's fairly new. We roughly have 125 members that are, are part of our, our, our closed group program, uh, but we're reaching 1,000 followers um, right now. And so we are at pre-rev, right, from a business model of being able to launch. So within the next two months, we're going to be launching you know, the full suite of guards down and what we're doing and offering uh, to the public. So you'll look at CBD products. You will look at um, a knowledge-based center of being able to learn about CBD, learn about PTSD and complicated grief and get connected to counselors and life coaches and a community of people that will help you along the way. And so this guards down effect is in, in, this is what I'm hoping, you know, in theory, will help a person to curve the thoughts of suicide, right? Because you get 21 veterans on average a day that commit suicide. And a lot of us suffer in silence because we're afraid to go to counseling. We're afraid to, you know, open up to our family. And we're afraid to say anything at work because of the stigmas that are associated with it. One last question for Greg before we we jump out of here. And um, uh, I heard you mention this right at the very beginning, Greg, and I hope you won't mind my irreverence for swinging back to it. What position did you play at Army? (laughs) I played outside linebacker. And here's my other question. Did you ever beat Navy? (laughs) We did. We did. My my freshman year was the – the time we beat Navy before they went on that long nine to ten year stint of you know of winning, but my my freshman year, my plea of year was the last time we beat Navy. Okay, I, I always cheer for Army in that game, <laughs> just because I don't like Roger Staubach. But that's another story. <laughs> I get you. Yeah, and and I, I I love coming from the military and coming from West Point just because it teaches you so much about leadership and your character. And it allows you to be a part of something else that is greater than you. Right. And so, you know, playing there, I I gave it my all Uh, my senior year. I ended up leading the nation and tackling during the regular season. Wow. And I had a chance to go to the NFL. If you, you know, if you look me up, I'm I'm right there in the NFL uh, on the, the, on the draft boards. Who did you get drafted by? I didn't get drafted. Ah, okay. Yeah. But you yeah. were on the board. On the, I was on the board at the time. It's a lot closer than most of us will ever get. Exactly. At the time, our nation was at war, and it was a choice of, well, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you take these great Americans like Pat Tillman oh, and his sacrifice, right, to say, uh, you know, I was in the NFL right. and I want to go enlist and serve my country. Yep. He walked away from all of that. That's, that was always amazing to me. Correct. And so, you know, for me, it was, it was, I want to serve. I was a part of nine 11. I was a freshman when nine 11 happened at West point. Wow. And I remember my mom calling me and saying, Hey son, like this just happened. Aren't you ready to come home? 
And I was like, nah, ma, you know, I uh, I came here to to serve with my brothers and sisters, and this is what I'm going to do. My country needs me, sure. And so, you know, that's 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 the route we went. She she said some tears. She made me cry myself. But um, at the end of the day, you know, my, my heart and mind was made up that I wanted to serve my country and be there for my brothers and sisters in arms. And now you're still there for him on the back end, too. Indeed. Indeed. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Well, this has been an excellent interview, and thank you so much for joining us here, Greg. Oh, one other thing. I'm sorry, Jim. I keep cutting you well, off here. Tell us about your podcast really quickly. When does it air and uh, where can people find it? Yes. So my podcast is called Guards Down mm-hmm. and I'm I'm through Buzzsprout. You can find me on all the major outlets, Apple Podcasts, Google and on Pandora. Uh, just type in Greg Washington or GuardsDown.com or Guards Down and you will see me. We air every Tuesday and we have some very heavy but inspirational episodes where we have soldiers, military personnel that have gone from victim to survivor to hero because they're telling their stories of what they experienced and what they've been through to help others. And so, you know, I I always tell a person, you die twice, once in the physical form and the last time that your name is spoken. And so for... Our soldiers, our, our, our military personnel that are out there, you know, I invite them to come on to the show to tell their story because I want to be able to help them leave a legacy of the people that they lost, that they love the most, to be able to honor them in that way and also help others that are struggling, dealing with suicide and depression, to be able to get some tools in their toolkits to help them fight another day. Excellent. And you said it's guardsdown.com? Well, it is guardsdowns.com. That's the website. Um, you'll be able to find all of our stuff on there. And if you wanted to search for the web, uh, the podcast, it's Guards Now. Okay. Excellent. And once again, thank you for being on our show. Very much appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, the, one of the things we do typically at this point, Greg, is true to the name of our show. Uh, we make a sharp pivot away from all things marijuana, and although it's not always pivoting away from marijuana, depending on who we're talking about. Um, and, you know, and, and Jim and I like to kick around stories of the good old days, uh, the Grateful Dead, fish and stuff like that. Uh, as we tell all of our guests we welcome on our show, uh, being a fan of the Grateful Dead is not a prerequisite, although, uh, you know, it could certainly make you more popular if you like them. But, uh, you know, one of the following along that whole uh, line of questions I was asking you before about like the way that the movies display drug use, you know, they also always show the guys sitting in their barracks, blasting out whatever the, the latest rock and roll is or whatever like that. Uh, you know, what was your experience over there in terms of music? Is that something you guys even have time to listen to? We, we do. And, and music is a part of our everyday life and it helps us get us motivated. You'll see soldiers right before we go out on missions. We'll have, you know, our earbuds in and we're just focusing, getting our minds right. And so I am a fan of the Grateful Dead. My biggest fan or, or my, 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 my favorite artist is the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Them. Oh, sure. You, you had me at the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They're, they're, you know, what an amazing band. And, yeah. you know, it, it, interestingly, it's one, Jim, that you and I don't think have ever even really discussed on this show. Demon Hunters. Demon Hunters. 
Oh, the demon. There, I'm not as familiar with, but Red Hot Chili Peppers. There, and they're very popular in my family. The, my my kids like them. My wife likes them. Uh, and and why not? They're great music. And Anthony Kiedis and and all of those guys, man, they just come out and make it happen. Indeed, my my first concert, and this was my first concert, and it, it is so sad. Was at the age of 31, and it was to go see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's not sad. Welcome to the party, man. You know, it's, it take, just takes some people a longer time to show up. That's all. <laughs> Where did you see them? Oh, I was here in New Orleans. Um, they were they were at the Superdome. And I, I mean, like, when I say they put on a show, like, I was like, yep, I'm good. Like, I'm glad I'm here. Do you ever make it over to Jazz Fest when they're having it? Oh, I go to Jazz Fest. Jazz Fest is my treat. So my birthday is May 2nd. Oh, and so perfect. that second weekend of Jazz Fest yep. is when my birthday. So that's always my treat to myself. I, I always make it out so that I could see um, Maze and Frankie Beverly. Oh, sure. They got great stuff down there. That's lovely. You know, that I've gone a couple of times. I've got friends who go every year. And if I if I could figure out a way to get down there every year, I would. I like to call it Lollapalooza for adults. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. My first year here in New Orleans, I think I gained about 20 pounds oh. just trying to like eat all the different foods and stuff. Right. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, I've been to Jazz Fest a few times. I love the gospel tent. I love the blues tent. The tent. So much great culture. Are you from New Orleans originally, Greg? I'm not. I'm originally from Fayetteville, North Carolina, or Fort Bragg. They call it Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And uh, I moved to New Orleans after I got out the military. Oh, it's a great city. It is. It, it, it's, a, it's, it's a wonderful atmosphere. It's the melting pot because you, you have all of these different cultures of music and art. And I mean, just to be able to, you know, walk out the door you know, listen to the sound of some music and I'll be like, I'm going that way. <laughs> well, that, and then, of course, there's always beignets at two in the morning, which is awesome. Oh, man. Indeed. <laughs> it sounds it. like I need to get I need to get you and Jim out here. Hey, you yeah. don't have to twist my arm. If we need Hopefully to they'll have a jazz fest this May and uh, you'll see Larry and I there. For sure. We can do remote location. We can use your studio. I know we just recently got a notice where they weren't going to do Mardi Gras this year. There weren't going to be any floats for the yeah. uh, the Mardi Gras parade this year. So I'm mm -hmm. hoping that, you know, we'll bounce back. Everybody do what we're just supposed to yep. and COVID pass and we'll be able to get back to a, a normal, regular life. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Live music, man. We're all jonesing for it. Indeed. Well, I think we'll let Greg go and then, Larry, you and I can kick around a few things here. For a few minutes. Sure. Greg, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was really a pleasure to have you. Your story is fascinating and inspirational. Um, I hope that, you know, our listeners uh, have enough of an interest to follow up and, and, and track down Greg on his uh, websites and also uh, tune into his podcast and, and hear what he has to say. And just as importantly, what his guests have to say, because uh, while it's easy for us guys to sit here, you know, and and shoot the breeze all day about marijuana and, you know, the Grateful Dead, uh, you know, the people whose attention, you know, we really should be paying, uh, who we should really be paying attention to are the folks who uh, go overseas and help protect us so that we can afford to sit around and talk about the Grateful Dead and, uh, and marijuana. So uh, thank you for all of your service. Uh, thank you for your service with uh, service members afterwards. 
And uh, hopefully we will speak with you again soon. Indeed. I appreciate it, Larry, Jim, Dan, you guys. Y'all take care. Okay. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Greg. Um, And otherwise, Jim, I think, uh, what else you got for me today? Not much. You know, we're so far into the pandemic that there's not been a lot of music. No, and it, it is definitely a little frustrating, I think. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've been talking with friends all over and everybody's, you know, looking for a place to grab a show here or there. Uh, the drive-in shows seem to be becoming very popular around the country. Buddy of mine and, uh, our, our good friend, Alex Wellens, just out in San Francisco the other day, went to see, um, oh, who did he tell me he just went and saw? Oh, uh, I can't think of their name. Uh, I'll think of it in a minute, but, uh, uh, you know, kind of, a a, uh, an alternative band that's, that's big out on the West coast. And, um, the mother hips and mm. uh uh you know really enjoyed that show but uh you know it's hard you, not again you know we know who we like to see and you know i, I tune into all of the podcasts they've been doing a great thing with on uh fish tv with uh showing trays uh weekly sessions at the beacon theater which have just been outstanding the the the, the musicians he's bringing on to play with him and all of it is great but you know, for those of us who like this kind of music, it's not just because we like sitting around listening to it. It's because we like to be there and be in the middle of it and, uh, you know, wait for the unknown and, and what's going to happen this this show that's never happened before. And we want to be there for it and just being with all of our friends and in that environment. And, you know, I, I have to say that as much fun as it is watching and listening to these shows, it also, you know, creates a little bit of homesickness, not being able to be out there doing the real thing. Yes, it sure does. Well, as we were talking with uh, Greg Washington, uh, hopefully we'll have Jazz Fest. Hopefully this vaccine will be out shortly and uh, will take effect and we'll be over this pandemic. Um, I do have a small musical plug. Our son, uh, Jack Marty's band, Swerve, Yeah, uh, they came to the studio and recorded a CD of all original music. And so on um, YouTube and other various outlets. But the name of the band is Swerve. Okay, well, let's uh, let's talk to our good friend Dan Humiston about getting some notice on our webpage for that as well. That's you know that's family for God's sakes. Yeah, he uh, was in the studio and recorded on the same grand piano as um, "How to Save a Life" was recorded on. Really? Yes. Wow. And what was the band that did "How to Save a Life"? Oh God! It was at the show. It started that a medical TV show. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I'm kind of chuckling because it was the first concert that my son ever saw and my mm-hmm. wife took him to go see it. And, uh, you know, now of course he's, uh, very big on, uh, uh, all, all the fray is the name of the band. Very good. Thank yeah. you. Well, I'm thanking Google and my, my ability to type it up very quickly and still be able to talk mm-hmm. while I was doing that. But, you know, he went off to see the fray and came home and, you know, I had my own little quiet internal chuckle and tell her, he said, Hey, you know what? Live music is live music. It doesn't matter who it is. And as long as you're going and seeing it, you're having a good time. Very good. Well, I see we're coming to the end of our time slot. This was a very, very good show. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, uh, we can't say enough good things about people like Greg. You know, there's there's so many people who we come across who are in this industry uh, to make money. And there's nothing wrong with making money. And if you can make money and make people happy at the same time, you know, all the better. But but a guy like Greg, you know, really goes beyond that. And, and you know, he's he, he sees cannabis as a way to really help people and not just help people, but, you know, help these people who are 
really, you know, I think we would have to all acknowledge, you know, probably the most, you know, special people we have in our society, the, the ones who are willing to risk everything to protect the rest of us. And, uh, you know, depending on what decade you're in, sometimes it's fashionable to slam the military. Sometimes it's fashionable to love the military. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think we all have to respect the military. Um, oh, absolutely. Because it is. You know, in this world, they're the ones who they're the ones who keep us safe, and they're the ones who let us live in a society where we can have legal marijuana and we can go listen to bands like The Grateful Dead, and you don't have to worry if the message isn't perceived by the right people as being, you know, positive or not. And uh, you know, sometimes I think we all take that for granted. Um, but uh, that uh, what Greg had to say was great, and again, I would really encourage people to go listen to his podcast as well. Yes, and I'm sharing a thought with you, Larry, that we should do a an entire on the uh, CBD side of the house, as he put it. I think that's a great idea. You know, we've touched on it plenty. Um, you know, and there's been a lot of topics out there that we've addressed, but uh, there's certainly more than enough material for us to sit down and, you know, devote one or two shows even and and really focus on the CBD side so that our listeners uh, can have a real understanding of where that's at right now in terms of legality, what its future is as far as the federal government is concerned, and really, you know, what its benefits are uh, and, and, and why it's something that should be looked at and taken as seriously as the marijuana market. Yes. And there's so many now offshoots. There's CBG, there's Delta 9. So we can definitely fill a show. Uh, we'll do a little homework and research so we have a good show for everybody. Yep. But, uh, the Alphabet Show. Very, yeah, the Alphabet Show, we'll call it. Very good. There you go. So I have here from Denver. Okay, Jim, as always, it's a pleasure to check in with you. Um, have a safe drive back to Longmont. I'm going to sign out from here in Chicago and look out my window and see that it's dark and cold um, and you know, probably go put on some grateful debt and do what we like to do. So uh, everyone have a good evening. Uh, stay safe and enjoy your cannabis responsibly. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canada podcasters right here on PodConnex and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.